Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 7, Episode 14, The Twilight of the Kamakura Bakufu. After Hojo Tokimune's death in 1284, the shogunate of Kamakura spun into a spiral of decline. Tokimune had worked hard to keep everything together, but even by his time there had emerged severe systemic problems across the nation, which the Bakufu was ill-equipped to address. The most pressing issue, one which the shogunate had previously taken extreme measures to alleviate, was that of warrior debt. As trade increased during the Kamakura period, a new class of merchants, bankers, and moneylenders began to gain more influence. The samurai, whose income was fixed according to their share of crop proceeds from their land, often had to weather difficult times, especially throughout the tumultuous 1260s. They borrowed money as needed, but there was little in the way of financial regulation in the Kamakura period. Interest rates for these loans often outpaced the warrior's ability to pay them back, and they frequently petitioned the shogunate for help. You may recall that the court and Kamakura had worked together in the past on Acts of Grace debt cancellations as part of relief packages during difficult times. However, these were considered emergency measures only and were seen as an admission of failure on the part of the ruling class rather than a compassionate gesture. The Acts of Grace pursued by the Bakufu in the late 1200s and early 1300s were almost always coupled with restrictions and limitations which ensured that those whose debts were forgiven would soon be forced to resort to borrowing afterward once again. It seems likely that Hojo Tokimune tried to emphasize frugality and simple living among the warrior class in part to encourage those who lived beyond their means to rein in some of their reckless spending habits. It is worth noting that Takezaki Suenaga, the veteran of the Mongol invasions whom we discussed in the previous episode, resorted to selling his horses and saddles in order to afford passage to Kamakura. However, such cancellations were unpopular with groups such as the growing class of financiers, merchant lenders, and large-scale landholders, some of whom were samurai, whose vast estates were generally recession-proof. While it is wrong to understand the eventual fall of the Kamakura Bakufu as the result of economics alone, the sorry state of the lower-income samurai certainly did not help their prospects. Kamakura's abdication of reward allotment to the local Daishugo was but the first of many instances in which the shogunate diverted responsibility to regional or provincial authorities, thus diluting its own authority as well. In the absence of an active, charismatic regents, organizations like the Rokuhara Tandai and Dazaifu increasingly took local burdens upon themselves without bothering to consult the Bakufu. It is possible that the cracks emerging in the shogunate's structure could have been tolerated or even repaired had they maintained a close working relationship with the imperial court. However, in 1274, the Bakufu lost an invaluable ally when retired Emperor Gosaga died. During his time as cloistered emperor, he had elevated two of his sons to the throne as sitting emperors, specifically Go Fukakusa Tenno and Kameyama Tenno, which legitimized the children of both of those men as potential future emperors. In the short term, this allowed Gosaga-in to remain in the position of cloistered emperor, 
but in the long term it would cause problems for the future of imperial legitimacy. The Bakufu continued to exert control over imperial succession, though this would prove more difficult with two legitimate lines of inheritance to keep track of. Remember, 1274 was also the year of the first Mongol invasion, so it is understandable that the shogunate was a little busy when Emperor Kameyama retired shortly after his father Gosagain's death that year and arranged for the elevation of his own son, who was remembered as Emperor Go-Uda. By 1287, the Bakufu was sufficiently convinced that a third Mongol invasion was unlikely, and pressured Emperor Go-Uda into retiring. Suspicious of Kameyama In's ambitions, they supported the elevation of a son of Emperor Go Fukakusa, a 12-year-old boy remembered as Emperor Fushimi. His father governed the Insei court as Go Fukakusa In, though by this point tensions had already started to become inflamed between the two rival lines. Throughout the late 1200s, this tension would only get worse. In 1289, with the Bakufu's approval, Go Fukakusa In helped arrange for his infant grandson, a son of sitting Emperor Fushimi, to be named Crown Prince, a move which inflamed supporters of his brother's line. That same year, Fushimi Tenno's brother, Prince Hisaaki, would be installed as the shogun, a move which further cemented Go Fukakusa's line into permanent legitimacy. In 1290, Emperor Fushimi survived an assassination attempt, and a few members of Kameyama's line were purged from the nobility. Later that year, Go Fukakusa In retired, actually retired, and sought peace in Buddhist monk vows. In 1298, Emperor Fushimi retired and his ten-year-old son took the throne. He is remembered as Emperor Go Fushimi. In 1301, Hojo Saratoki retired at the age of 30, and the mantle of Shikken was passed to his cousin Hojo Morotoki. Folk history claims that Saratoki continued running the government as a cloistered regent until his death in 1311, but this is likely untrue. Saratoki was the first of many regents who, when compared to the bold and eager Hojo administrators of yesteryear, were generally uninterested in practical governance. Politics in the capital, and by extension in Kamakura, became centered around the two lines of succession as each gathered partisans and vassals. Between 1274 and 1318, George Sansom notes that there had been five controversial successions of sitting emperors as the Bakufu tried to keep both imperial families and their vassals and partisans satisfied. In 1317, representatives from the Bakufu met with members of both factions and worked out what they believed would be a satisfactory compromise. Called the Bumpo Agreement, it stipulated that the sitting Tenno's term of office would be fixed at 10 years, then succession would be received by a member of the opposite branch. Whether this was a binding agreement or simply a suggestion is something historians still debate, but this ten-year back-and-forth between the two factions probably seemed like a reasonable compromise to the shogunate. In 1318, the sitting emperor Hanazano retired, and succession was received by Prince Takaharu, who was remembered as Emperor Godaigo. While the three emperors who came before him had ascended the throne as children, Godaigo Tenno was a 30-year-old man with fully formed ideas on governance and the inherent supremacy of his office. 
Generally, emperors' posthumous names were chosen for them after their deaths, but Godaigo chose his own based on the historic emperor he wished to emulate. Two seasons ago, we discussed Emperor Daigo, the last emperor of his time to rule the nation outright before the Fujiwara regents took political control during the Middle Heian period. Remember that the prefix Go in emperors' names is added to indicate that they are the second emperor with that name. True to his namesake, Emperor Godaigo began making plans for bringing the nation back under direct imperial control. The first big step in this process was the elimination of the Insei court. Emperor Godaigo moved to abolish cloister government in 1321, and his father, the contemporary retired Emperor Gouda, retired to a monastery in support. The duties of Insei were assigned to various advisory councils, and the record office re-established and more broadly empowered to act as a legal court for all manner of disputes. In 1324, retired Emperor Gouda died. That same year, many of Godaigo Tenno's supporters formed a sort of party club called Bureko, which translates to something like free and easy. The parties they hosted were libertine affairs, where high officials ignored the usual rules of etiquette and formality to get drunk, indulge in carnal pleasures with young, scantily clad serving girls, wear their hair down without hats, and talk of things usually forbidden from more polite conversation. The primary topic of conversation among these free and easy nobles and scholars was the destruction of the Kamakura Bakufu. Diaries and other accounts from the time indicate that the Rokuhara Tandai was largely ignorant of what was happening at these parties until they discovered a plot against the shogunate which was nearly ready to be performed. The ringleaders were arrested and Emperor Godaigo's representative swore that he had no part in this plan. While this was almost certainly a lie, the Rokuhara Tandai handed out some minor punishments to those they had arrested and Kamakura seemed content to let the matter drop. We aren't certain why the Bakufu decided to just gloss over this affair without more thorough investigation. It's tempting to see it as another sign of their incompetence at this stage, but it is also possible that they were trying to avoid making too much of a minor issue and giving their enemies at court and in the West even more reason to collectively resist them. They probably hoped that Godaigo Tenno had learned his lesson and would not attempt any further action. The events of 1331 make it extremely clear that he had learned nothing of the sort. Because he had been elevated in 1318, he should have retired in 1328 or 29, according to the Bumpo Agreement. The opposing faction at court petitioned the shogunate to force him to abdicate, but the Bakufu was reluctant to get too involved. By this point, both sides had gathered significant followings, and the shogunate would be risking civil war if they were seen as partisans for either group. In the absence of a strong leader, either shogun or regent, the regional powers in the west had grown somewhat independent and had already begun to resent Kamakura's interference in their affairs. The plot of 1331 was uncovered when a close associate of the emperor, a kuge named Yoshida Sarafusa, informed the Rokuhara Tandai that Godaigo Tenno was hosting secret meetings with influential samurai leaders of Kansai and encouraging them to act against the Bakufu. When informed of the plot, Kamakura dispatched an army to occupy Heian-kyo and forced the abdication of Emperor Go-daigo once and for all. The emperor, forewarned of the impending occupation, 
ordered his partisans to evacuate the capital, and took the imperial regalia with him. They fled to a fortified temple sitting atop Kasagi Mountain, about 30 miles, that's 50 kilometers, south of Heian-kyo. From there he sent messages to as many nearby clans as he could, begging them for support against the Hojo. He met with some success in this rallying, but only managed to gather perhaps 3,000 samurai supporters under such short notice. The Bakufu army, which was much larger than Emperor Godaigo's partisan force, surrounded the temple and eventually overran its defenders. Emperor Godaigo escaped, imperial regalia still in hand, but was captured soon after. In the aftermath of Emperor Godaigo's failed rebellion, which was dubbed the Genko Uprising, the emperor himself was exiled to the Oki Islands in 1332. Now having a legitimate reason to punish Emperor Go-Daigo's succession line, the Bakufu selected a son of former Emperor Go-Fushimi, one Prince Kazuhito, to be the next Tenno. He is remembered as Emperor Kogon. While the troublesome Tenno had been successfully removed, the Bakufu's troubles were far from over. The samurai who had aligned themselves with Emperor Go-Daigo took no measures to reconcile themselves with Kamakura, and many instead either laid low or actively recruited more samurai to join their cause in Kansai and Chugoku. In 1331, the reality of the Bakufu situation was becoming terribly clear. While they still had the capabilities to command great armies from Kanto, many of the other regions in Japan had already adopted independent systems of power as the Bakufu leaders had allowed their authority to atrophy in those places. One of the primary sources of support for the Hojo-led shogunate was the Ashikaga clan, a powerful Seiwa Genji cadet clan with long-standing roots in Kanto. Ashikaga Takauji, the head of the clan, had fought as part of the Bakufu army in the siege of Kasagi, but not of his own free will. His father had died a short time before the Genko uprising, and he at first refused to help the shogunate on the grounds that he was still observing a period of mourning. The Bakufu then seized his wife and children as hostages to force him to call his own vassals and join their efforts against Emperor Godaigo. While this was effective in the short term, this incident would not pass without planting the seeds for future consequences. One of the main supporters of Emperor Go-Daigo, by contrast, was a samurai of modest means and status named Kusunoki Masashige. A longtime resident of Kansai, Masashige was a supporter of imperial supremacy and a brilliant military leader in equal measure. He continued resisting the shogunate's overtures for peace even while Emperor Go-Daigo was still cooling his heels on the Oki Islands, joining the warlike Prince Moriyoshi, a son of Go-Daigo, in recruiting an army to resist Kamakura. As for Godaigo Tenno, his story does not end with his languishing in exile and eventually succumbing to disease or melancholy or some unholy combination of both. While they lie far to the north of Honshu, the Oki Islands are near Chugoku, where many samurai had become either disgruntled or disillusioned with Kamakura. Had the shogunate chosen to imprison him in Izu or some other remote place in the east, Japanese history may have turned out quite differently. That being said, by this point, it may have already been too late to save the Kamakura Bakufu. Next time, we will explore what happened when, somehow, Emperor Godaigo returned, and the Genko Uprising would transform into the Genko War. Until then, thank you for listening. 
If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. Thank <laughs> you.